Well, we have been in a series called We Are the Church, and I've so enjoyed teaching this series, and I hope you guys have enjoyed it too. And I just want to give a little review of what we've covered. I know when you get in a series, it's easy to forget previous weeks, and they all kind of flow together. So week one, we we talked about a message called I Am, and we really talked about how we are the church, and God's temple isn't a place anymore. It's inside of us. We are God's temple. And because of that, we aren't called to consumerism when we come together. We're called to be engaged as the workers of his church. But really, more on that today. Week two, though, we, we, we talked about send me here. That was our prayer at the end. Lord, would you send me here? And we talked about the Great Commission, where Jesus made a claim of authority no one could make. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He, made a, he gave an instruction no one else could give because he had that authority. He said, go and make disciples of all the nations. And then he gave a comfort that no one else could give when he said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Then last week, last week was a fun week, we talked about money. What money has to do with God and has to do with the church. We talked about how money matters to God because God is generous. Uh, we talked about how it's not the quantity of what we give that matters. It's the quantity of our heart that we give to the Lord that matters from that. Because where our treasure is, there our heart is also. Um, we, we can lead our heart to the Lord by the giving that we, that we um, generously give through our finances. And then finally, we talked about how, how the way we give matters. Uh, God loves a cheerful giver. Amen? So it's been fun. Um, I'm enjoying it. Today, we are going to talk about how to grow. That's the title of our sermon today, How to Grow. We are the church, how to grow. And I'm giving away the answer from the very beginning. We're going to talk about serving, what it means to serve as the church and as God's people. But first... I want to give an illustration, a a picture illustration that I think will be helpful. I'm a baseball fan. Um, Do we have any baseball fans? Lots of Twins fans. Uh, I'm a Cardinal fan. That's how I was raised. Love my St. Louis Cardinals. And the Cardinals have this player. His name is Tyler O'Neill. I think we've got a picture of him. Yeah. So what I want you to look at, look at those biceps on that guy. So... Tyler O'Neill's dad, he's Canadian. His dad is a Canadian bodybuilder. So the guy just genetically is built uh, with the ability to, to put on incredible muscle mass. So I, I think Tyler O'Neill is probably the strongest baseball player I have ever seen. I and mean, the guy is ripped. And you can imagine the power when he makes good contact with the ball. And, and in 2021, you know, he was a prospect coming up. And everyone was excited to see Tyler O'Neill play because he, he has this physical ability that, that most don't have. And uh, I was so excited to see him, him play. He had a couple of seasons that weren't awesome. And then in like 2021, it clicked. He just, he went off. He was, he was up high in the MVP voting for the National League. Had a great season. As a Cardinal fan, we thought we've got a star on our hands. I mean, uh, he, he's a pretty enjoyable star to look at if you ask me. There was one time he hit a home run. It, it was like a, it was a monster shot. Um, and the players went out. It was a walk-off home run. They went out and ripped his jersey off. I was going to put that picture up, but I decided it's probably not best for church. Um, but he's a strong guy, 
benches over benches over 400 pounds, squats about 500 pounds, strong guy. He he has one problem though. He he's pushed his body to the max muscularly. I mean, it's impressive. The problem is is that every, all of us we have a frame, right? We have a skeletal frame that that really supports everything. And and it's actually possible to muscularly push yourself so far that your frame can't support that much muscle. Interestingly enough, I have never had that problem. I would love to to know what that's like. Uh, I just have not had that problem. But Tyler has. And, and what does that look like then? Tyler O'Neill can't just, it's so frustrating, he just can't stay healthy. He just can't avoid injuries. He can't stay on the field because he's pushes by the max. He's, he's been trying to resolve it now for the last two years. He's actually become vegetarian, right? He's, he's trying to lean down now because his frame got, uh, got to where it just couldn't support the growth. Why, now why am I talking about a baseball player? Odd illustration, but I think this is what the church can be like. See, as an, as an organization and as a family of temples, of God's temples, because we are the church, it's, it's not a building, we've talked about this, but as we come together, the, the frame of the church is the servants, the way people serve. See, we can try to grow and grow, and when I, when I grow, I don't mean more people sitting in the building. I mean more impact in the community. I mean better teaching for our kids, um, more people serving on the Connect team. I mean the various forms of ministry, ministering to our community, all the things we have the opportunity to do. We can try to grow and grow and grow and push for growth, but if our frame can't handle it, we can only grow so far. And actually, if you keep pushing growth, you're going to start getting injured as a church. What does that look like? Volunteer burnout. Well, some of us have been there where you're volunteering, you're serving, you're, you're faithfully in it, but it's just you and you're working hard, but eventually you burn out because there's not enough frame, not enough people serving the church to support the growth. Now, here's what's beautiful. That, that's capital C church, church worldwide, very common problem in churches. Victory, we are in a really good place here. I just want to tell you. Um, I had Pastor Casey go through and see, hey, how many people are serving? I am amazed by how many of you serve. Um, she counted, uh, there are 112 people who regularly serve at Victory. Can we just give the Lord a shout of praise? Isn't that amazing? In a church our size, 112 people regularly serving in some capacity. So we're doing this well. And I love that, but I just want to tell you, we can do more. I really believe we can have more impact. We can change more lives. Uh, we've been given this gift of people who, who get it. They want to serve, and we want to steward that well. So today's sermon is about serving because it's so important in the church. Um, and, and it's, there's going to be some simplicity here for some of us, but I hope that today this will, this will either, um, Give you a new light bulb to serving if you're not serving in a certain role right now. But also, if you're serving, I hope this invigorates you in your service. You could be excited or fresh about the service to the Lord. So, so it's the frame, right? And, and 
today I want to talk about three parts of serving and three um, impacts of serving and what it has and the benefit of what it is for our lives. And we're going to look at a lot of scripture today around it. So buckle up. This is going to be fun. So number one, serving shapes the church. Like I said, serving is the frame of the church. And we said early on in this series, and I want to stay on this theme, if God is going to do something, if God looks down on the earth and says, I'm going to do something, nine times out of ten, in my opinion, in my observation, it's going to go through someone's hands. God likes to use us to do his work. Sometimes he intervenes. But but have you noticed lots of healing is going on through people's hands? Think about that. Through doctors' hands. That's not apart from God's plan. God can help you get to the right doctor. Sometimes he will come and supernaturally heal. And we love that. We go after that. We ask for that. But it's not bad when God uses other people to help you. Does that make sense? Nine times out of ten, in my experience, God uses our hands and feet to do his work. And that's what's so exciting. See, the church needs you. And I don't mean victory. I mean look around this room. We need each other. I want everybody to look, look someone next to you and say, I need you. Look at somebody next to you and say, I need you. Now look the other direction and say, you need me. I'm pretty important. You need me. Admit it. You need me. We need each other, guys. This is the way the body of Christ was meant to work as a body. Different parts, different functions, working together. Like a headless body, many people say. Jesus is the head. The rest of us, we're there to be a part of it and serve in the way that God calls us to. When it comes to servanthood, Jesus is the perfect example. Surprise, surprise. Jesus, the perfect example of servanthood. If you've got your Bibles, I'm, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse, tw- in verse 20 as well. And there's this story where um, Jesus had been in ministry, been training his disciples. And this, the disciples, they were coming along. They were figuring out what this whole ministry thing was about. But they had a little way to go. There was a little immaturity amongst them. There was a little jealousy that was starting to build. You know, Jesus had sent them out, and they had done some ministry. There had been healings. Um, they, had, they had casted out some demons. They, they had, um, the Lord had used them to heal some people. And so they were feeling pretty good. The disciples were starting to feel pretty good, and they, they're realizing we're a part of something really special. What, what a beautiful thing. They said yes, and it was starting to really pan out, right? When Jesus said, follow me, they followed. And now they're looking back, I believe, and saying, all right, we made a good choice when we said, I'll follow you, Jesus. But in Matthew chapter 20, we see this interesting story. So um, there, there are two disciples. It isn't named here at the start, but their names are James and John. And who here uh, has a mom that is really like an advocate for you? Anybody have a mom that like, she'll just come and she'll be like, hey, you should, you should look at my daughter, look at my son for this. They are really gifted. I've got a mom like that and it's fun. So, so James and John, they had a mom like this. And in verse 20, we see, uh, then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, so that's James and John, came to Jesus with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him. And Jesus said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, command that in your kingdom, these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and one on your left. 
So she's asking, in the kingdom, in this future kingdom you've talked about, Jesus, I want my boys to be right there and to reign in authority with you. I want them to be leaders and honored. Good mom, good mom request, right? But Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? By the way, think of the cup Jesus was going to drink. It was the cross. So that's what he's referring to. They don't know that. And they said to him, such a funny phrase, we are able. <laughs> they had no idea. He said to them, though, my cup you shall drink, which was true later on. But to sit on my right and on my left, that's not mine to give. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And hearing this, the ten, referring to the other ten disciples, became indignant with the two brothers. So there was starting to be some strife among them, right? They're like, really, James and John, you brought your mom to come ask Jesus if you could rule over us? From that day, believe it or not, there started to be strife among the disciples about which of them was greater. Like which one, uh, which one in the kingdom of God was going to be greater, which is very, uh, very typical of some young guys. Uh, Jesus realized this and, and, and this is what he did. He called them to himself and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their, their great men exercise authority over them. He said this, it is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first, you shall be, uh, first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, referring to himself, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus tells the disciples, guys, in the kingdom of God, you've got this all backwards. If you want to be great, you've got to be a servant. And if you want to lead, you've got to be a slave. That's how the kingdom of God works. It's the inside out, upside down kingdom. You want to gain, you got to lose. You want to, you want to be great, you got to be the least. That's what Jesus said, and that's, that's the way he is, and that is what he demonstrated for us. So serving shapes the church. Jesus said, if you want to be great, be a servant. This was his command to us, I believe, as the church, that we would serve, that we wouldn't look for our own gain. We wouldn't say, what position of authority can I get to? But that we would serve. See, the church is designed to look like Jesus so that we can be a prepared bride. Our pursuit, our pursuit isn't to be great. It's just to be like him. Amen? That's our, that's our goal. That's our aim. So that's number one. Serving shapes the church. That's what gives us our frame. That's how we uh, act on the commands of the Lord is through service. Number two, and this is one of my favorite parts of all this, serving shapes us. Everybody say, serving shapes me. Serving shapes me. See, service isn't, serving isn't something that you do. Actually, a servant is who you are. That's who Jesus was. He didn't just do some serving. He was a servant. If you, if you serve, you're a servant. If you don't serve, you're not a servant. Young ladies here, unmarried young ladies, I want to tell you, 
uh, attention right here. This is very important. Uh, if, if you find a man that you think uh, may be a, a good guy to marry someday, watch and see if he serves. I would even say watch and see if he serves in the church. Because someday you're going to know whether he's going to serve you at home or not. Right? If he serves in the church, I bet you he'll serve you at home. If he's not interested in serving, you're going to have some work to do. Young men, aspire to be servants. That's what God's called us to. So serving isn't something you, you do, it's who you are. And you can't kind of be a servant, right? Just like you can't kind of be pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not, right? It, it, there's no in-between. If, if you serve, you're a servant. And serving is how you as an individual can grow. Look at this, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. We're created for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. See, we are literally created for good works. It's something that we can grow towards and grow into. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving not by the strength, I'm sorry, one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom beyond belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So the glory of serving, it's not for us. It's for God. We serve for the for God. Remember, Paul said to the to the church of Rome, from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. So that's the call, is to serve. And even if we're already serving, let me tell you, there's opportunity for greater growth in this. And I want to demonstrate this in a couple of ways. And and I'm willing to step on some toes this morning because I I think it helps us grow. And sometimes that's my job. Uh, If we look at John 14, I'm sorry, 13, John chapter 13, this is right before the Passover. Uh, we see something incredible happen. Jesus is about to have the Passover feast, just as we just remembered in communion earlier in the service. Jesus gives an incredible example to his disciples of how to serve. Now, some versions in, in the account of this uh, in, in the Gospels show that at the very time that Jesus comes into the scene, the disciples, once again, are quarreling about which of them is greater. They didn't get the message earlier. Uh, Jesus is, is about to, to show them in a new way what he meant in what we just read in Matthew chapter 20. When he said, whoever wants to be great must be a servant. And that he didn't come to be served but to serve and to give his life. So the disciples, the disciples, they're at it again, right? You can imagine um, James and John, they, they took a shot at, at being at the left and right side of, of the kingdom of God, and it didn't go as they planned, and now there's some strife. I mean, you can imagine Peter's like, hey guys, uh, I, I'm probably the greatest here. 
You might remember I, um, I can walk on water, right? I mean, you guys all stayed in the boat. I got out, right? Think about these conversations the disciples could have. And, and some of them, you know, James and John were like, yeah, but think about the miracles that we did. I mean, we were throwing, casting out demons, healing the sick. Peter, how many demons have you cast out? Right? They are having quarrels like this in front of Jesus. Kind of bold. Bartholomew probably jumped in and said, hey, I'm the greatest. And the disciples were all like, Bartholomew, we didn't even know you were a disciple. No one's ever going to remember you're a disciple. All right? So just, and, and he probably was like, okay, you're right. Quiet it down. They were having these quarrels. That's what I'm saying. All right? Jesus comes in. And in John 13, we see, now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come and that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Beautiful. During supper, the devil, having already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, knowing that he is going to have all authority here, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper, laid aside his garments, and while the disciples were quarreling about who was greater, he saw pride and dirty feet. That's what Jesus saw. He saw the pride of their hearts, and he saw their feet were dirty. So he took a towel, something like this, a slave's towel, girded himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. And he started washing their feet. He came to Simon Peter and he said to him, uh, Simon said, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said, what I do now, you do not realize, but you will understand hereafter. And Peter said, such a Peter thing, never shall you wash my feet. And Jesus answered, if I do not wash you, you have no part of me. So Peter went to the other side and said, then Lord, wash not only my feet, but my whole body. And I think Jesus was like, all right, feet are enough. He's, he who's bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. And he said this referring to Judas, uh, who was about to betray Jesus. So think about this. Jesus is there. Now, in the 21st century, in this room, most of us, relative to human history, have pretty clean feet. All right? They're still nasty. They're still nasty. All right? Let's be honest. Feet are kind of gross. But back then, uh, they just, for shoes, they had sandals. Um, or some would just be barefoot. They didn't have paved roads, sidewalks. It was dirt, all right? Feet were pretty dirty, and it was common when someone would come into their home. They would have, uh, when they were hosting, they'd have a servant or a slave wash the guest's feet. But for Jesus to do this, a teacher, and to be the leader of these 12 disciples and to go wash their feet, that was unheard of. Unheard of. But Jesus, hearing their quarreling, gives them a demonstration, gets down, gets a bowl of water, washes their feet. Now, we read in, in 1 Peter 4.10, each one has received a special gift. 
employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God has given us giftings to serve. Special areas. You know, I look at Glenn. Glenn has wonderful IT experience. He has served the church well in helping us in in developing our systems with IT. He's used his gifts very well. Kelly is just great at connecting people. She loves to connect with people. And she stepped up to lead the connections team. That's how she served. Many examples. We go on and on about people serving their gifts. But I just want to remind Victory Church. It's just good to have this reminder sometime. There was no foot washing gifting. There is no toilet scrubbing gifting. There is no special stair stair, chair stacking gifting. Jesus got down to a lowly place. He wasn't there for his own accolades. There was nothing special or wonderful about this for him. He just served. He just put his head down and served. Even in that moment, he he served in a way that looking back, the disciples wouldn't have believed. They didn't know what it was in the moment. And, And what was that? Well, sometimes as servants, it's easy to start getting entitled in the way that we serve. This is my spot to serve. We want ownership, right? That's good. Own it. Where you serve, own that thing. But don't hold it too tightly. A lot of us, we like the spot that we serve. We say, this is my, this is my spot. This is the way I do it. Um, but that's not the way that Jesus approached this. He just served people. Even to this point, some of us sometimes, it's easy to say, I don't want to serve with this person. If this person's, if this person's serving, you know, I'm probably not going to want to serve. I'll do another time on the schedule or I don't want to serve on this day in this way. We start getting preferences. Guys, Jesus washed the feet of Judas. Judas went to betray Jesus with feet freshly scrubbed by him. He went to betray with clean feet. Think about that. Jesus demonstrated, just serve. Just serve. Yes, we want to be in our gifting spot, right? We want to serve victory as the leaders of victory. We talk about this all the time. How can we get people serving where their giftings are? Because we want that. But for, for us as individuals, that's not for us to pursue and to hold on to tightly. Just serve. Just serve. That's how Jesus demonstrated. Finally, on this point of how we, how we grow through serving, let me tell you this. I'm going to give you some free counseling. Uh, I believe in counseling. Uh, I really do. But let me give you some free counseling that will change your life and maybe save you a lot of money. If you want to see growth, serve. If you want to grow, if you need spiritual counseling, that's great. Here's where I'm probably going to start with you. If you want to come to me, honestly, I'll just tell you right away. If you want to see yourself grow closer closer to the Lord, are you serving? If, if you want to see a better relationship with your kids, are you serving? If you, if you don't have good, strong relationships in the church, are you serving? How about this one? If you, if you want to see growth in your marriage, 
Julie and Eric, is this true? If you want to be closer to your spouse, if you're having some marriage conflict, go home and say to your spouse, hey, how can I serve you today? After they fall on the floor and get up, they may have something to share. I don't mean to be sarcastic, but I'm telling you, this works. You will see growth in your life through serving, wherever it is, at the church, not at the church, at home, at work. If you've got strife at work, what if you just went to your coworkers or your boss and said, oh, how could I help you today? How could I help you today? One more, I, we, we live in, in a time when we talk a lot about prayer and we lot of, talk a lot and consider what does unanswered prayer mean for us? What, why do some prayers not go answered? I want to give you today what I believe. This is Matt's opinion. This is not a church position. I want to be clear. All right, this is just my opinion. I believe there is a prayer you can pray that is going to get answered 100% of the time. If you pray this to God, he will answer. I mean, it's like it turns the attention of heaven when you pray this prayer. God, what can I do for you? What can I do for you today, God? I'm telling you, you will have a prompting in your heart of something to do for the Lord every time. It's like it unlocks answered prayer. That's just my experience again. I, I've just never, ever, ever, ever prayed, Lord, what can I do for you? And meant it and not had an answer. I've ne- it's never happened. So if you, if you want to grow, I'm telling you, service is the way. Finally, my, my last of the three points, serving shapes our eternity. This is the fun part. In Matthew 25, Jesus gave this example. And he said, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory, referring to himself again, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, as a a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right, goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, to, to the sheep, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry... And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous, the sheep will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And this is what he answered. The king will answer and say to them, truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger. You did not invite me in. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they themselves will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and, did, and not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. 
See, Jesus is talking about a, a time ahead when he's going to return with hosts of angels. And he's explaining how in that time he will judge. Sheep, goats. Now, let me tell you, if you have received the, the, the work of Jesus, put your faith and trust and hope in him, you're, you are saved sanctified by the Lord. You are washed clean. He's doing a sanctification work in you. He is a great sanctifier. And you are going to spend eternity with Jesus. But let me tell you right here what we see Jesus saying. He's going to separate at the end of time those who served and those who didn't serve. Take it from Jesus right here, not me. Right? He's separating those sheep and goats. I believe, just from what Jesus is saying here, if we want to take it to its extent here, I think Jesus will at the end of time say to some in this room, thank you for hosting me in life group. Thank you for bringing people over, serving them dinner. Thank you for that. And you may say, Jesus, you, what do you mean? You weren't sitting in my life group. He said, well, you did it to one of the least of these. To one of the brothers of mine. So you did it for me. Think about that. Serving will shape our eternity. Many have stated in the church. This is a phrase we use often. It's from a, it's from a parable of Jesus. It's a beautiful phrase. Our heart's desire. And, and help me here. Our heart's desire is that when we get to the end. We will hear this from our Lord and Savior. Well done. Good and faithful Servant. See, Jesus called us to serve. One day, we will stand before God and give account of our lives. I'm not going to be there. Your spouse is not going to be there. The The people in the church are not going to be there. Your family, your friends, your coworkers not going to be there. You and God, you'll stand, you'll give account for the way that you served. Worship team, you can come on, come on up. Now, that can be a little scary, right? But let me tell you, it's beautiful for the servants. It is going to be a beautiful day of rewards. When the servants come into the, the throne room of God, and he gives us rewards for the way that we served. Far greater than anything on earth. But at the same time, on earth, I'm telling you, we can grow and we will find great joy in serving. Can I get an amen from the 112 people at Victory that are serving? Amen. Woo-hoo. Amen. It is going to be a beautiful, beautiful day and a beautiful life as we grow in service to the Lord. So I just want to, as, as we close and, and as we sing a song, I just want to invite you to, to pray this prayer if you'd like to. The prayer I reference, God, what can I do to serve? What can I do to serve? I'm telling you, if we, if we ask with a sincere heart and we have our heart tuned for an answer, he will answer. And, and it's going to be beautiful. Let's stand together. So as we say, we are the church. Victory is here to equip you to do the work. Now, today is not like a volunteer registration day, all right? But I want to tell you, Victory, we are here to equip you to do the work. We've got ways for you to serve. If you're not serving now, uh, we want to equip you to serve. If you are serving, thank you. Your work is valuable. 
We see you. We are so, so, so grateful. See, the Lord will build his church in the frame a victory church and every other church will be the servants that are in the house that say, Lord, you can use my hands. You can use my feet. You can take my life. I'll be your temple. I'll be your tabernacle. I'll give what I have. I'll give my time. I'll give my talent. I'll give my treasure. The Lord is honored in our service. Here at Victory, we'll equip you. After our congregational meeting today, there are going to be people stacking the chairs. Go stack some chairs. It's fun. We are, right now, uh, we're short one victory for kids class teacher. I think today, with this many people standing in the room, we should be able to fill that, right? You don't have to be, you don't have to know the word all perfectly to teach victory for kids. You kind of just, like, read a curriculum and love the kids. There are practical needs. We'll have Coco and Caroling this month. Go talk to Casey, sign up to go in and serve Coco and, and be a smile in the, in the community of Ballatin. You can serve that way. There are so many ways to serve. Most of us have neighbors, friends, people who have needs, coworkers. We can serve. We can do it, church. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you that you were a servant. You didn't come to, to be served, but to serve. You said it was to give your life as a ransom for many. Lord, we thank you for the ransom that you paid so that we could be set free from the curse of sin and death. Lord, we are your temple. We are your dwelling place. Father, we believe that if, if you've got a work you want to do, we can partner with you and say yes to the good plans of God and and engage our life, use our time, give our treasure. And Lord, we just thank you that because of that, you will do a good work in our community. We will see new lives saved. We will see the sick healed. We'll see the captives set free because your church gives and serves with everything that we have. Lord, our time is yours. Standing in this room, various levels of treasure but today we've all got the same amount of time Lord I say with my heart I give you my time it is yours to use God how can I serve you today how can I serve you today let's worship together Your name is like honey on my lips. Your spirit like water to my soul. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Oh, Jesus, I
transition to um, our congregational meeting. Let's take about a three-minute pause. If you need to go somewhere, please, please don't feel like you have